dad used to always say this thing. He would say a lot of times is just maintain. He meant that when you're having a downtime, when something goes wrong and you can't fix it immediately, don't lose ground in kind of all the work you've done. Right. Maintain and ride it out until you can find yourself at a place to go again. For some people, they just need to hear the winds. Sometimes they think, oh God, we're not at 95% occupancy. Oh, I can't get this over there. I can't this or that. And they're so focused on one thing, they forget to motivate themselves with the small wins in between. Welcome to the Marketing Home, Marketing You podcast. Week after week, Barbara Savona of Sprout Marketing brings you quality conversations with industry leaders, mini marketing workshops, and step-by-step guides on everything marketing, business, and career growth. So grab a cup of coffee and get ready for some outside-the-box ideas from the girl that lives inside the shipping container box. Friends, welcome to another episode of Marketing Home, Marketing You. I am excited today to introduce you to President of Property Management, Robbie Mejia with Clear Management. Robbie, welcome. Hey guys, how are you? I'm so excited that we're going to have this conversation. I feel like we have rescheduled for like months. And yes, like- yeah. I- <laughs> <laughs> so it better be good because be we, good. we have to make it worth the while. Yeah. So Robbie, I was trying to think we, we literally probably met close to maybe 15 years ago. Yeah. I was thinking the same thing. Yes. Yeah. It was after, and I had moved back from Florida and I moved moved back to to Austin, but I was doing a bunch of work in Houston and, and yeah, you, uh, we met up somewhere at a coffee place and you were with somebody and I, I think that was right, but but yeah, it was a long time ago. It was yeah. a long time ago. And that's what I love about multifamily that we, and especially now with LinkedIn, that you can pick up with people and just stay connected. And yeah. it's it's pretty cool. So for those that don't know a lot about what a president of property management does, can you just talk a little bit through what is your role? Yes. Yeah. So the role is ultimately, I am responsible for all site operations. Anything you see that happens on a on a property, HR, marketing, uh, the asset itself, capital uh, projects, uh, the residents, and and that kind of thing, uh, and then all the financials on the other side of it. So there's there's three categories it really falls into. Again, the over cap is the site operations, but the three areas really are to here's the, here's the kicker. You got to maximize your revenue uh, for your owners, investors, creating better homes for better lives for our residents, and then creating the work environment where people excel and um, really are their true selves, uh, the best version of who they are for our employees. So those are like our, our three kind of areas we focused on. And I'm excited that we're going to talk a lot about the people and the team today. That's our focus. But before we go there, I'm just curious, those are three kind of different roles. How are you juggling and approaching? That's a lot. How do you kind of keep it together? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, keeping it together is with the support team that, that I work with. I mean, I'm support for them. They're support for me. And it's really quite a bit of conversations and connections, those relationships. And I think that with the support team, I always say we're not, nobody's in this alone. We're all doing this together. Uh, And so I think that's, that's how every day it's kind of like, okay, (laughs) how, how are we going to get through today? 
but really by breaking it down and taking it in bits and pieces and taking it in stride with the ups and downs. And then with, again, the, the team I work with, they're amazing. So, you know, I don't do this by myself. I'm not in the president role by myself. I am in it with the team that, that helps support that. Yeah. So when we were talking about a topic, you shared that you're just very passionate about building culture, building teams. Can you talk about why are you so passionate about that topic specifically? Yeah, I think, I think I've grabbed onto it more over the last few years because there's so much conversation around the word culture. And I almost feel, unfortunately, that people use it in the sense of, oh, it's a, a, we're going to promote culture. We're going to say culture and we're going to put it on a billboard or we're going to stick it somewhere in our, in our taglines of our, of our values. But, but for me, it really is an acting living thing. It's an acting uh, emotion. It's an action in itself is culture. And it is why we do what we do. It is what gets us through the end of the day. It's the shared beliefs that what we're working for is a common goal. And we add in all these processes and these standard operating procedures, and we add in all this other software and all of these things, but none of it moves without the foundation of the culture and who we are. And and it's the connection in that. Um, I a while back, I don't know when it was, there was a great TED talk about social capital, and it really resonated with the idea of our, our people working together to get us through, again, the good and the bad of what we do, because there is no smooth selling all the time, right? And there's going to be the challenges that we face. There isn't a company out there that can tell you you're not going to have bad days. There is not a company that can put it on a plaque and say, this is that you will, you'll love it here always every day is like sunshine because it won't be. That's a lie. It's not true. (laughs) And so I think as we sell the idea of culture, as we really talk about the idea of culture, that we need to understand it's it's an action within how we move through the policies, procedures, the goals, but it is the base and the foundation. And so for me, it is a passion. I think that I, I talk about these things and I, and I tell people it's, it's cultivating that relationship with each other. Um, you know, nobody met their best friend yesterday. It takes time. You have to grow it. You have to put into it to get something out of it. And, and to me, that's why it's, it's so important. I think the relationship base of, of the culture and what we believe and working together towards that is, is exciting. It's fun. Yeah. <laughs> I can feel like I can feel your energy around it. And I want to underpin how you said, I like how you said, like nothing moves without that. Like everything else is, can be just writing on the wall. And I have found, and I don't know if you do this too. We do use culture in our marketing and recruiting, yeah. but at the same time, there's that it's almost like marketing a really bad asset. And then when somebody walks in and they see how ugly it really is, <laughs> yes. like, well, all you've done now is just wasted their time. And yes. I, 
that if the culture doesn't actually, if you don't live it, then it really doesn't matter how great your marketing of culture is because they have to align. That's right. Yeah, that's right. And so, and, and it's, it's reminding people of that, but when you, when you fold them into that, it is then how we live. Right. Yeah. So recruitment has been such a big issue and I'm sure you're not immune Mm. to finding (laughs) good talent. Do you have any kind of strategies or things that have been working for you for finding the right people? Yeah. And and it is, it's a challenge. I mean, if someone says it's not, then they're, yeah, it's just not, they're not being honest. (laughs) It is a challenge. I think people have options and where they want to go. And so to recruit them, it's, it's two-sided again, always, but uh, we are looking for the people who are capable and motivated, right? Like, so as we look through resumes, you post in all the right places and your indeeds and your stuff. And so resumes come in, we are looking for, okay, is, is somebody capable? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, that's kind of the baseline. And then the second piece that we look for is the motivation. Do they have the motivation to come in, to continue to grow, to uh, work with others? Um, And so the capability and the motivation, and I think what we do, something we do here that I, I really enjoy is we have through our interview process, we have a core values interview and it is based around our core values. And then it can be with a panel of anyone in any position. Uh, So our, our HR team sets it up and uh, the candidate will sit with a little panel and they'll just ask questions around kind of our, just our core values and who this person is. And, and it's, it's fascinating because it's very different than, you know, how many years have you done this? Do you know Yardi? Do you know? It's, it's very, it's, it's another side of, of who somebody is and, and how in what they believe, I guess. And so uh, I think it's a neat way to kind of recruit. The other side of the recruiting process that that is working for us now is with just employee referrals. Yeah. And we have had a lot of shift and a lot of change. Uh, everybody has, but we have people who are either coming back or, hey, they know someone who's worked with somebody else. And so there are these connections in our industry and recruiting through, through that, through those channels has been really successful as well. I'm glad you highlighted that because I feel that's an underutilized tool. It's like, we, we look for referrals with residents for resident referrals, but what a great opportunity. A lot of times I find that too, that like-minded people hang out. And so if you've got a great employee, they likely know somebody else that has those qualities. So kind of neat to tap into that. And You specifically mentioned motivation. So you're, you're testing for that. You're kind of like interviewing for that. Now they're in the door. They're your employees. Maybe some are here for 20 years. Maybe they've worked in the industry even longer than you have and life it hits them like all of us. How do you keep someone motivated and engaged or re-engage them when they're kind of starting to to dive a little bit? We'll get right back to our conversation, but before we do, I just wanted to remind you, if you haven't already go to sproutmonthly.com. There you can subscribe to our monthly digital magazine and make sure you subscribe your team also. This will give them an endless supply of ideas for the upcoming two months for their marketing, their resident events, their retention, social media, plus all these conversations that we have on the podcast. You'll also see these interviews inside of the magazines too. So 
Make sure you go to sproutmonthly.com. You'll also get access to tons of free resources. All right, let's get back to it. What we found is we really do have a lot of conversations and sometimes maybe <laughs> a little too too much. Oh, we got another. This <laughs> And I think even just the the touch points of just a chat, it doesn't have to be, we're not having to have a full meeting. We don't need to always, you know, every meeting doesn't need to be an hour long. If we're done in 15 minutes, cool. We're done in 15 minutes, go have at it. But I think when people uh, find a, a low point or they're disengaging, it really is kind of being open in some of those discussions of, hey, what what, what is happening? What's going on? Is there something we can do different and separating that it's not an accountability issue or it's not something that's a, a different problem, but really just a motivation factor of what, what will get you there? What do we need to do? Uh, we have a lot of discussions about how do we, how do we keep people <laughs> going and, uh, and excited? And, and I do think it starts with the, I keep going back to connection, but it, it is a lot of conversations. I think what sometimes people are like, oh, you hear this from different owners or people that with the best of intention, they'll say, oh, well, just give them an extra something on top of a lease or throw a pizza party their way or something. But <laughs> but it's really, it runs, <laughs> <laughs> it runs much deeper than a pizza yeah. party, right? Because it's really like, okay, what, yeah, what is it? And I think finding what works for that particular individual is key because we can't say, hey, one size fits all for motivation. And somebody may, hey, I just, my extra motivation is leaving two hours extra today after I've had a really long week, right? And that's a different thing to to hone in on. But the, I was at a, um, I was in a session at TAA and they were talking about recovery being part of the building process. And it's something we forget to give people when we are trying to keep them motivated and trying to keep them at this, at this top level performance, red alert, go, go, go. That part of that process is in the recovery yeah. to come back to hit that mode again. Right. And if we don't allow that, then we're doing ourselves a disservice and that the team a disservice, but it also prevents that motivation from happening. If they stay in this place like this and they don't get the time to recover, then you're never going to get them motivated again. And I, my dad used to always say this thing at my, my, uh, I had these lessons of my dad because he had just passed away and I did this, these things for him, for him. But one of the things he would say a lot of times is just maintain. And he meant that when you're having a downtime, when something goes wrong and you can't fix it immediately, don't lose ground in kind of all the work you've done, right. maintain and ride it out until you can find yourself at a place to go again. And I think motivation sometimes comes from those things. And, and other things of just pointing out for some people, they just need to hear the winds. Sometimes they think, oh God, we're not at 95% occupancy. Oh, I can't get this over there. I can't do this or that. And they're so focused on one thing, they forget to motivate themselves with the small wins in between. Right. Because it is in the everyday that we find ourselves winning, right? And it's the the extra shopping score where 
somebody just got a hundred and their last one wasn't so good. (laughs) It's in that extra time with that, that resident that just comes in and says, oh my God, thank you for coming in here and taking care of my stuff. It's in the maintenance guy that comes along and, and just says, what do you need me to do today? I'll just tell me. I'll do anything. I'll test. I won't question. I just will go get those. They're motivated to work together as a group. And in it's in that, that those small wins, I think is very motivating as yeah. well for people. Mm-hmm. There was so much good stuff in there. I loved how you talked about the recovery phase too. I think of like immediately I just went into like an athlete that you expect to play the championship game over and over. Yes. Yeah. It's just like, you would never do it. You would be like, these guys need to rest so they can come back. But yet I even find that even on the the corporate side of things a little bit, it's easy for us to just blow through goals and just keep going. And then we find ourselves kind of like a little burnt out when we stop to recover. And I love what your dad said about maintain, because it's true. It's like, you don't want to throw out the progress, but is there like a minimum you can do to kind of hold your ground, but not add to it. So that's a lot of really good stuff there. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I love it. But, and, and I think when I talk about those things too, with the people I see out there, I'm like, this is a win. And that motivates me. Like those things motivate me. So I know it motivates the, the team in general. Yeah. As a leader, I think that's great to almost know that it's a double win. When you highlight wins, it's a win for your team, but then it also reminds you of what you're doing as a whole culture. Yes. So yes, <laughs> we, need those, we need those on those especially hard days, I think. Yes. yes. Okay. So question for you. You're, I'm just curious about your style of like, how do you hold teams accountable? What's your communication style and how do you make sure that they're meeting the expectations without like holding them to unrealistic expectations. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, um, well, starting with the unrealistic expectations, I mean, I think that, that those are honest conversations about starting with sometimes the a budget that was put in place that is not real, right? Uh, something has changed and you can no longer meet that. Sometimes in an owner or investor, they don't want to hear that they're not going to hit whatever they're trying to do. And so it starts with me to support the teams to really say, this isn't realistic right now, but we, what we will do is everything we can to be at the top of what is realistic. And if you start with, with a realistic goal, I think that already buys you a little in with people because they understand okay, she, she's giving me the, yes, I can do these things. And I, and you'll lose somebody from the get-go if you try to tell them to hit something that they, it's just not, is not real. So it starts with that. And then I mentioned this earlier, but we do have a lot of conversations. I have one-on-ones with my team every week. We have a, a weekly uh, ops uh, leadership meeting as well. Um, and, uh, so there's the, the collaboration, there's the discussions, but individually, when we have our one-on-ones, we really talk about where we need to be and then how we can get there. What's that plan look like? And what do they need from me to help them? Because it's not you go out there and go do this. It's how are we going to do this? And I think that last step for a long time, uh, for me personally, it was missed to, to ask somebody, okay, what do you need from me to make sure this gets done? Uh, Cause sometimes people don't know, or they don't ask, or they don't really think about it, but it, 
provokes that way of thinking to go, here's what I need and here's how I'll get that done. And so it pushes it a little bit further. But my style in that is really open and honest. I mean, I'm just like, look, anytime you need to talk to me, call me. I mean, if you're not comfortable calling me, you can send me an email. If you don't want to send me an email and you want to write a text, send me an index. If you want to write a letter, send me a letter and I'll do it that way, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> however you want to communicate is how I'm going to communicate with you. But the key is that the action actually has to happen in the communication, right? And so my, my style of that is I'm here for you. I'll help you. Uh, let's get there and let's set these realistic goals. And then the check-in, it's not like, oh, later we just say, hey, you missed it, but it's the check-in all the way through. And that's why we have the one-on-ones each week, right? Are we on target? Are we on meeting our, our goals? So you don't end up in the place where it's like, ugh, we missed it and we never had the the meeting in the middle um, kind of thing. Just course, I would think that was something a business coach taught me when setting up one-on-ones with my team. It was like, if we just start looking at it a month in reverse, it's like, you can't adjust your sales, but how nice to be able to weekly look at it together. And then I like how you at the end ask that question, because that to me speaks to the culture, not being the words on the wall, but like how we actually operate. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I think most of my team and they're, they're also honest and open there are still people who are like, Oh, I don't, I don't know if I should tell you this, or I don't want to, but it's, it is tell me everything I need to know. And part of that philosophy is I don't want to be a person. I don't want any of my, my support teams to be people that they only hear what they want to hear and not what they need to. And so I very much always say, tell me what I need to know and not what you think I want to hear. Yeah because that's very different. And when you open the door to those kind of conversations, it makes life much easier. Yeah. That's a clear distinction. So what about, let's kind of pivot a little bit. You talked already, I like, you kind of hit on collaboration and Mm -hmm. it sounds like that's just a part of the way that communication happens. Now, what about your team when challenges do come up and you have to have those kind of hard conversations? I'm assuming it's very similar to your other approach. That's very open, but is there any tips that you have for someone that maybe is struggling to have those kind of challenging conversations? Yeah. Yeah. So it's funny because I (laughs) I used to work with somebody and they would have a conversation and where they needed to tell them we're missing this or we're not here. We're we're not seeing the gains and they would walk away and I, I would the, the person they were talking to would, would leave thinking they're getting a raise. I mean, there was a total miss in what was happening because you can't always be like the, the, oh my God, you're great. Right. And that is the biggest tip I can tell somebody. It is, you, it's, it's, it's a disservice to not be clear and honest with somebody and be, doing that is not being mean or rude or condescending or any of those things. It is because I want to see you get better. I am going to share these items with you. And there is a place to then be very clear. And if it helps somebody from a tip standpoint, just make your notes and follow your notes. I mean, you really have to just say, look, I, I need to, here's where we've missed. Here's where we've had tons of conversation. Here's what's and then 
then you start to lay down, right? A different look of what that is. Right. If we're not hitting it, uh, then maybe then there's a different way this is going to, yeah. Kind yeah, of earlier you mentioned social capital. How important do you think it, it is to have that maybe social capital where you built this trust before you're hitting those conversations? Like if your team knows you're on their side, how, how important is that? Yes. I mean, it makes a difference night and day, right? Yeah. Because somebody trusts you. And the difference in that social capital and the team building and the teams that work together is that there's trust in that. Right. The hard conversations, uh, it gets well, it's always sometimes difficult, right? And it always sometimes can be very hard, but the the it it makes it much more difficult, I should say, is when someone doesn't trust what you're saying to them. Right. And so that that piece is trust. And then it's it's a lot easier to move forward when you can have that. So so the tips and the takeaway, I mean, be, be honest, be straightforward. Start with heart. Uh, there's an old book of the crucial conversations. I don't know if you if you read through that, but there's a piece in there, and it's when you have to have hard conversations, but you start from a place of care and understanding, and so that somebody feels like you know, again, this isn't at them, but it's for them. Yeah. Awesome. So then, how are you celebrating successes with your team? Like, how is how do you guys? know when you've hit a marker and how do you make it special? Yeah. So that's a fun part, right? I mean, everyone wants that part. <laughs> um, we do make things special with our marketing uh, group. Uh, Carrie Hall is, is in our marketing and she does a great job of really highlighting top performers a week, but then we have a quarterly inspiration award. But uh, in those top performers, you get to see yeah, who's, who's hitting and what in what areas and so I think the the recognition when you put it out people people love that and they want to see and all the cheers and when we have a Friday uh, and it's a meeting with just the community managers and sometimes the maintenance leads in that it's a really great way to highlight some of those wins and pointing out which property Sunset Canyon did this and the specific thing they hit it they made this goal and we we get to cheer that. And I think that's very important. And then also going back to the team, if they want to do something together, you guys have earned this. What does that look like for you? Do you guys want to just kind of, again, go to Top Golf for the afternoon or go bring in a, a lunch that you guys all enjoy? That kind of thing. Also promoting within your teams to do that for themselves. Yes. They don't need us to always make the highlight on you know, whatever, but they need to be also their own cheerleaders. And when they do that, I think it's, it's infectious between them. Right. And so there's round Robin stuff that goes out. We have sometimes text messages. Oh, did you see kind of things? So, so there's a lot in that. And then, but knowing that you hit the goal, right? Like, I mean, you've got to one, know what it was, but to know when you hit it that, yeah, okay, I made it. And then it uh, to celebrate it is is just important. And so I think a lot of, of that is in those those little ways. We send out little gift cards sometimes for specific things and things like that. But but most I, I think most people get the yay kudos that they love. Yeah, I, I actually love how you talk about the team 
I don't think enough people talk about that. I think it's great when corporate celebrates and there's obviously a, a level of, oh, I've been seen, I've been recognized. Yeah. But I love the collaboration of empowering the team to say, we can celebrate. Yes. Yeah. That's pretty big. And yes. you don't need that. Not that you don't need it, but it's like you can get that sense of pride, identity every time that as a team, it's like, who's the team becoming every time we hit a marker, we're becoming a, a stronger team with yes. strong individuals. Yeah. Yeah. It's really cool. I went to, I was in Dallas a few weeks ago, maybe a month ago, and I stopped on in on this one site that uh, had some struggles. And over the last end of fourth quarter to now, they've really come along and there's, there's a lot of moving and grooving. And I just stopped in. They didn't know I was coming. And it was the our maintenance lead's birthday. And they had this like big lunch brought in. Uh, they had like three different cakes from different places. I'm like, what is happening? But it was really fun. And I thought, oh, this is, this also answers questions of why they've been able to move the way they have with each other. There's just individually, they all were like happy and it was, it was neat. It was neat to see. And they didn't know I was coming and they were all like, oh my God, we have three cakes. And oh, she's and I'm like, like I, I want some cake. cakes. <laughs> <laughs> it was funny. It was actually really funny, but, but I loved, I loved that they were doing that for each other. Yeah. How fun to see just when a team comes together, celebrates themselves. I would love to just take the last few minutes of our conversation to shift more about your role. Cause this is always something I'm more curious about. Yeah. I think one question I'd love to know is with juggling so much, how do you delegate and how do you know what is stuff that you can delegate versus stuff that you're like, you know what, this needs to stay on my plate. Yeah. And that's been hard as we've been repositioning and restructuring. So you have different people in different roles. So, you know, at a, at a, different place, you could hand off other things. But when somebody's newer in their own role, it's hard to give them to right. delegate something of that. Yeah. So, but, but understanding what, uh, what sometimes I think it's a win for them to, if you hand something off, because they're also seeing a different side of just yeah. their own role. And so I do all hand things off that have to do with uh, other like, oh, other software initiatives or other things like something that they can, they can like some of the regionals, they can follow up and they can see if it works for them first. I don't need to be the source of where that comes from. I'm not always the person right anymore on site or touching that or living that. Yeah. Yeah. So those kind of things where I think there's value for that for that role or that position to see and and provide feedback to me. So it's helpful in, in both ways, right? They get to be a part of that. They get to see that. And, uh, you know, you have to be careful delegating out some stuff, right? Because you don't want someone to think like, oh my God, I'm over, I'm so overwhelmed and they're giving me more stuff. So this is a, a, a secret. So I hope that not everyone sees this, but <laughs> I do try to sell it as this is for you. <laughs> But generally, generally it is. Uh, they, uh, I think people appreciate when they get to be part of that that process, right? And to get to see kind of this bigger global uh, decision making uh, avenue that that we go down. And 
So those kind of things I'll hand off on. I think when I hold things closer that I can't let go of will be something that is uh, really having to do with somebody's money, loans, uh, lender issues, owners, investors that have, that have something bigger uh, going on for themselves that uh, I can't let go of or I can't hand off to. So I'm responsible for that and I've got to see it all the way through. Um, and then there are things I hand off that come back to me at a certain point, right? And then I can take it from there and, and deliver it home. Um, and uh, so it, it's important for me, yeah, so really like what, what can't I give that I ultimately have to say, oh gosh, this requires my oversight uh, and I can't let go of and making sure it's not about control, right? So, so knowing the difference of, I don't need to control that. I don't yeah. need to, yeah. Letting go of you guys come up with some of these plans for the team and how you guys want to see this. You guys work on these SOPs and I'll review them after whatever. I don't need to be in all of that all the time, right? They can work with HR, accounting can do certain things, and then I can kind of oversee it at a different level. And, uh, and it's a little scary sometimes because you get in a role and you think you've got to, got to be in there, but there is a place to trust the people as much as they're trusting me that I trust them. Uh, and what what we've hired them to do and let it go of that. And so to juggle all those things, I have to have people around that are part of that team that they can take it, run with it. I don't have to juggle it all the time. Yeah. And, and yeah, and that's what makes my life work. Well, what a key piece to say that even delegation is a sign of trust. Mm -hmm. I, I think sometimes leaders, you really hit the nail on the head they are worried of overwhelming or they're worried about it losing control or something like that. But the way that you positioned it is the right things delegated, show a team that you trust them to be overseeing yeah. an initiative. And then like you mentioned, levels of delegation, yeah. there's, you know, there's the, you do it and I don't ever have to see it again. And there's the, you do it, you report back and we're yeah. doing this. And so that kind of helps to also, I would think, take the training wheels off to see if yes. someone's capable. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I want to wrap with the last question in the sense that I know so many people get overwhelmed and I know you're probably not immune unless you're superwoman. Yeah. I mean, I know you're pretty close to it, <laughs> but I'm curious when it feels overwhelming, when you need to regroup, what do you, what's your go-to when you're having those days? Yeah. And we touched on this separately earlier. I do. I feel like my, my reset uh, comes with my home. My, my husband is super supportive. He's fabulous. He listens a lot, which is great. <laughs> but there is this, when, when I do have to sort of reset and I, I don't want to become overwhelmed, I, you know, you have to break away a little bit. And just, again, that recovery that we were talking about doesn't need to be a week, doesn't need to be a whole day. It can be a 30 minute time frame. I do a lot of walks and I do a lot of reading. I feel like uh, my Kindle is like one of my new best friends in the world because <laughs> I, uh, I do read a lot at night and there's sometimes like you can't shut your mind off. I mean, you're going and you're going and your mind is like, oh, I got to think about that. I got to do this. I'm, there's five other things I didn't get to. I, and so for me to shut it off, 
I open a book and I'll just start to read whatever that is that I'm reading at the moment. And, and it takes, it kind of takes my mind out of that, that thought and thinking about something different. And then I can close down and, and go to sleep. But yeah, there's a, was funny. My husband a while back said, oh my gosh, you have just been the reader. You've been going through a whole bunch of books. And I'm like, it's because I've been so stressed. That's the only way I can shut my mind. Wait, like if I see you with like coming up with your books, I know what life is thrown at you. (laughs) It's weird. Um, Really a a good glass of wine. The, again, getting out and walking, feeling the sunshine on your face. It all sounds so cliche and so simple, but it really is what works. And that's why people say it. And so, so I love that. And then looking forward to with not goals at work, but my, my home life goals, right? Like, so I have a trip this summer going to Japan. And so I know that's coming and I can work and push. And I know I've got this trip coming and that's cool. And I've got one at the end of the year. And so those things also to look forward to keep you kind of going when you get overwhelmed and to remind yourself, what am I, what am I doing here? Why, why am I working like this? You know, there, there are so much that you said there. I love to walk. I walk every day. And what I, what I actually did is like my little hack is I bought a treadmill for my office. And so after a meeting, like if it's like around two and I just kind of feel I'm getting that like anxious energy, just jump on for 15, 20 minutes. And it's like a total mind shift. Yes. Yeah. So in the morning I do it outside because I'm with you, the sunshine, there's something about like being outside, but I think it's so important. There's so many multifamily professionals that literally push themselves to burnout. And the topic of you wellness is something I think it's like, let's never forget that we do the nine to five for the five to nine. Like, yes, like we don't want to neglect the husband, the kids, the family. We don't yes. want to neglect our health. And I love that you also put like things to look forward to because yeah. it's kind of like the look ahead. Like we, okay, I can do this for another two weeks. I'm going to yeah. have a total change of pace and yes. you're going to have like you have two big trips coming up. Right? I do. Yeah. Japan and Italy. So super excited. And I'm like, okay. And yeah, I'm looking forward to it. And, but again, like we talked about earlier too, there's a lot of the small wins that also keep me going. And yes. I think about that and, and, and celebrating that. And it's, it's good. I, it's life is good. And leaders need recovery. I think that's a good place to end on too, that leaders need recovery. Yes, that's perfect. Robbie, you have been a wonderful guest. I appreciate your perspective. It's very, even though there's so much, I can feel your like passion and love for the people. I also love that you have a strategy behind how you approach it. And I think that our listeners are going to get so much value. So thank you so much. Thanks, Barbara. I appreciate it. Yeah. Bye. Bye. Thank you.